All right. No pressure. The one thing that's been holding you back your whole life, we're going to fix it right now. You ready? That's why you're here. Okay, easy. Um, So we've talked about, the first week, we talked about the baggage from our past and how God gives us a chance to leave, you know, like Jonathan so uh, aptly acted out, leave your behind past you, right? So, um, and then that last week, Jonathan talked about overcoming shame and the scarcity mindset and getting, getting, it's sort of a mental, so we sort of did some emotional and we did some mental work for getting unstuck, getting past the things that keep us stuck spiritually or emotionally or even stuck kind of in our lives. And so today I want to tackle a third uh, practical way to get unstuck. And, you know, that's really our hope. So, you know, why, why we do church, why we do City Light, one of, the, one of the things we talk about, you know, seek love and care for people like Jesus does. So when we're here, we're trying to love each other like Jesus would love us, like Jesus would, has loved us and continues to love us. And so, you know, part of our hope here as pastors and leaders is that we're, we're growing together, that we're not just like checking in on Sunday mornings, you know, like just to say, hey, I filled that seat. You know, the reason we gather on Sundays and the reason we gather at small groups and the reason we gather for outreaches together is that together we're growing and, and becoming more the people that God's called us to be. And so, you know, our hope for you if, if you're feeling stuck, that these are steps that are taking you towards that. And to be honest, if this is stirring something up in you and, and you're like, you know, this is really an issue for me. I really am stuck. Reach out to your small group leader. You know, reach out to your small group and have them spend some time praying for you. Maybe meet with your small group leader over a coffee and, you know, let's connect more. Or, or you can reach out to Jonathan or I. We don't want this to just be a teaching series that then is like, well, that was interesting. You know, the goal of these things is that they work. Otherwise, we're just wasting our time. So I would love for you, if you're, if you're struggling here, if, these are, if this is stirring the pot for you, if you feel like you can use a little bit more help beyond just these teachings and prayer afterwards, reach out to your small group leader or to us. So I want to tell you a story. Um, I'm pretty sure I've shared it before uh, at some point in the history of my life, so you may have heard this, but it's hard to keep track of all the stories I share. Um, but this is relevant to what I want to talk about today. So I was just a couple years ago driving on a back road on an icy night, and we came around a corner, and there was a, um, a car that was kind of off the road in the ditch, not quite at a 90-degree angle, but about like that. I mean, it, it had gone off and down. And so, you know, kind of what I do in life is I stop and, and try to help people in situations like that. So pulled over and got out and um, kind of went up to the, the window and, and knocked on the window. <laughs> it was kind of weird because I was like looking down into the car. And the lady rolled down the window. And I said, hey, let me help you out. Like, let's, let's get you to safety. And I've never had this reaction before. But she like was vi- like visibly upset that I was trying to help her and told me to, to get away. And was like, no, 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 I got it. I got it. And started rolling the window back up. And it was so comical to me. I, mean, I didn't laugh at her, but like I was thinking, you clearly do not have this situation under control, right? Like you're sitting like this, sideways, stuck in a ditch. I don't know, maybe you're waiting for somebody, but this is not the safest place to stay. And so as the window was like, I, you know, I don't know why I did this. See, that's because I'm old. There it was. There's like half the crowd was like, yeah, I remember that. And the other half was like, what is he doing? Um, I've never seen a window do that before. Um, and so I, I looked in and I was like, wait, are you sure? You know, like as it closes and she's like, zip, didn't talk to me anymore. I was like, wow, okay. 
So then I grabbed something out of my car and I broke the window and I said, no, I will not let you die. And I ripped, no, I'm kidding. I left, I left her there, you know? And, and I feel like that is a fantastic metaphor for what we do. We do this in life. We drive our lives off of a cliff into a ditch. We're clearly in trouble. And people come along and they're like, hey, how you doing? We're like, great. I have got it all together. Never been better. My life is coasting. Can't you tell? We put these masks on because we don't want anyone to really know what's going on. We don't spend any time really talking about the depths of our heart. I heard a story about this guy who uh, um, went to a zoo to get a job. All right, so he applied for a job at the zoo and, and they were like, listen, this is kind of sound crazy, but our gorilla just died. And so we could, really, we could really be, you know, just for a while, could you dress up in a gorilla outfit and go out and just be the gorilla, okay? And he was like, that's, no one's ever gonna buy that. You know, this is ridiculous, but he really needed a job. So he puts the gorilla costume on and he's out there. And you know what? After a couple of days, he's like, wow, people really like this. And so he started like getting into it and he was like getting more into it and, you know, doing more gorilla things. You can think about what that is. I, I don't want to elaborate. It's a gorilla things. And he got so excited one time, he hopped up on a wall and he lost his balance and fell into the lion enclosure. So this lion gets right up in his face. And he's like, help, help, somebody help me. And he hears a voice through the lion mask. Shh, you're going to lose both our jobs. Yeah, yeah. That is life. We're all pretending. We all are acting like we've just got it all together. And if I let anybody know, see, we don't want to talk about how our marriage really is going. So how are you and Mandy doing? Great, great. Best marriage ever. How about you? Yeah, best marriage ever too. Yeah, awesome. Good. I wonder who the people are who have hard marriages because I don't know any of them, right? We're all just doing great. You know, how's your, uh, are there little kids in here? There are? Oh, mine. Great. Okay. <laughs> how's your alone time, right? <laughs> you never talk about that, right? You go out, you go out with a friend. When's the last time you talked about your alone time with a friend of the same gender, right? Like that would be highly inappropriate to cross gender on that one. But right, how's your alone time doing? How are your finances doing? We're doing great, man. We're doing great. How about you? Awesome. You probably never even asked that question. It's like finances, you know. How's your soul doing? Like, are you, are you overworked? Are you over busy? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you eating well? Like, we just, there's so many topics that we just like, yeah, we don't really talk about that. But they're the topics that we think about. They're the topics that hold us and, and consume us. But we never take that because you know what we're afraid of? If we took our gorilla mask off, the lion would see right through us, right? If people really knew, if people really knew, like, what do, you, what do you really think about? What do you really do when no one else is around? You know, what is, what is your behavior like when you're not in front of people? What's your thought life like? If people really knew, and that's what the gorilla was doing, you know? But the, the fact is, we're all like this, but what we do is, instead of, because we're so afraid of this, we don't let anyone really know us. And we keep that mask on. 
And there can never be true community without true authenticity, without true vulnerability. But it's scary. This is the verse for today. Galatians 6.2, this is um, a letter that the apostle Paul um, one of the earliest followers of Jesus. He, you know, many of you know he started off hating Christians and thought Christianity was, was out to kind of destroy Judaism. And so he was actually arresting and even persecuting and killing Christians. But then Jesus had an encounter with him that changed his life and he spent the rest of his life telling people about Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so he wrote this letter, a bunch of letters that now we call them books. So we call it the book of Galatians. Originally, it was a letter to a church or a city of Galatia, and he said this, carry each other's burdens. So listen, I just want to tell you, like, in our, in our you know, church or whatever we want to call this, like, we have people here who believe in Jesus, and we have people who aren't sure what they think about Jesus. We have people who are skeptical, who are believers, who are atheists, who are doubters, and that is what's supposed to be happening. We just want to say, like, if anywhere that you are on that spectrum, on that journey, I'm so glad that you're here. We started City Light. Because we wanted to give a place for people. You didn't have to check all the boxes before you were allowed in the door. All right? So even if you don't believe in Jesus, even if you don't think the Bible is God's inspired word, this is good advice for your life. So I just would challenge you, if you're not sure what you think about Jesus, just start doing some of the things he says and see how it works for your life. Because this works. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ he's talking about? He's kind of tongue-in-cheek here because he was writing in an earlier, just a little bit before this, how they were trying to force people to obey the Jewish laws that didn't apply anymore. And he said, listen, do this, and you'll obey Christ's law, which is what? Well, Jesus said, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So didn't Jesus carry our burdens like like no one could ever carry a person's burdens again. I mean, he took all of our sin on himself. He took all of our shame. He took all of our weight upon him to the cross. And so he can say confidently, carry each other's burdens. See, you were never meant to carry your burdens alone. And that's what I want to talk about today. And we spend so much time with the gorilla mask on. We spend so much time stuck in the car acting like everything's okay, acting like we've got our life together. But see, you were never meant to carry it alone. And all it's doing is making you more and more and more and more and more and more stuck. It's making you expend more resources, more emotional, spiritual, physical resources. You know, being stuck can make you sick over time. It's this, 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 um, this disease of isolation and loneliness instead of the vulnerability and the risk it takes to let someone carry your burden. So I want to tell you a story um, from Jesus' life that is a really powerful story. So this is in the book of Mark, and this is one of the four accounts of the life of Jesus that we see, we find in what we call the New Testament. So we're just going to read this together. A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So he's in, in a building, in a, in a little house. He's preaching. A bunch of the teachers and uh, writers and scribes of the law were there. They were all packed into the house, packed through the door, no room to get in. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. And so you've got these, these five friends. And I want to use this as a picture of what we really need to do. They, they saw, they, I just want to think about the two things that were needed to make this story happen. 
right? First, the paralyzed man had to be willing to let someone help him. And then the four friends had to be willing to get their hands dirty and help someone in need. That's all it takes right there. Those two things are what we're going to talk about today. Carry each other's burdens and you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. In order to carry each other's burdens, we have to first become vulnerable enough to let other, be, other people help us. We have to get to a place where we can say, I will let you lift me up. I will become vulnerable. And that's what is so hard. Because we think if I'm vulnerable, you're going to think differently about me. You're going to judge me. Um, you're going to categorize me. I don't want, or, or the other way we go is, you know, I don't want to bother people. People have so much going on in their life. I need, to, I need to figure out how to deal with this on my own. I want to read you another passage that Paul wrote. And Paul said this, Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Paul was modeling for us vulnerable relationships. He was saying that I will tell you about the areas that I struggle with because weakness, admitting your weakness, asking for help is actually strength. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is where we need to get. And it's so hard for us to get there, to say, listen, I want to reach out to you. I need help. So, you know, um, one of the areas that I've struggled with kind of over the last five, six years is, is anxiety. And uh, it's really weird because it was never an issue for me. I mean, I didn't think it was ever an issue for me, and it was always an issue for Mandy. And so I thought, like, that was her department, right? And I handled uh, anger, right? So, like, she had anxiety covered. I had anger covered and greed and selfishness, and right? And, uh, and she, had, she, had, she had anxiety. That was it, you know? And so then she somehow transferred it to me. Like, I don't know if that happens when you're married, but like she doesn't get angry, so it didn't, it wasn't cross-pollinating. So anyway, um, I, I've like had anxiety and had, a real, had really bad issues with it for like a couple years, and then I felt like, you know, I was like in a good place for like a year or two. And like the past month and a half has been like a slow downward spiral for me. And just so you know, I'm not like the pastor who just gets like weirdly vulnerable on stage and I haven't, like, I haven't told anybody until now, right? I'm not like confessing my, my issues to you, right? Um, but I wanted to just deal with this on my own. I felt like I've dealt with this already. I know, I know what to do. I'm going to deal with it. I did not want to have to tell people again the same thing. And I know this stuff to be true. I've preached this before. Like it doesn't matter whether you know it's true. Doing it is always harder than knowing it, you know? And so I had to like, you know, telling Mandy, like, that's easy. I tell Mandy everything. But there came a point where I needed to like, I needed to reach out to some friends and be like, I'm struggling. I don't like to do that. I remember, Dan's right there. I remember uh, two weeks ago, um, I'm, I'm telling you, I was not doing well. Like, not, not like just like, oh, mild struggle. Like, I was, I was, I was on the, I was scratching the bottom, Right. Um, I, I got out of the truck and we were getting ready to unload and Dan comes out and there's just something about Dan. Dan doesn't know this, but there's just something about Dan that like, as soon as I saw him, I, I had to like do a full court press to not just start weeping. Like, you know, like I, there's, there's certain people you see them and, and like, I just wanted Dan to just hold me. It's like all I wanted, <laughs> but I thought maybe it would be inappropriate. So I, I like, you know, I buttoned it up real fast, but like my initial emotional response was like, Whoa, you know? Is that weird to tell you? 
All right, you guys okay? All right, it's, Dan's like, it's weird for me. <clears throat> Thanks a lot. You know, I just, I, but, and so, you know, I went up to Dan and, 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 and like my, my next initial reaction was to be like, what's up? Big hug. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. And he was like, how you doing? And I was like, actually, I'm really struggling, you know? And so we texted later and he sent me some Bible verses and he sent me some encouragement because when you, when you just open the door a little bit, other people are usually ready. Like you got to know who's safe and everything, but we have to be willing to get weak. I want to read this quote to you from this guy. I'm not going to even try. Jean Venier, I don't know. Catholic philosopher who started this really awesome um, community for people with uh, mental and physical disabilities. But he said this, there is no ideal community. All right? Community is made up of people with all their richness, but also with all their weakness and poverty. Of people who accept and forgive each other and who are vulnerable with each other. Humility and trust are more at the foundation of community than perfection. This is where we need to go if we want to live out that verse, okay? So here's, just to reiterate, you were never meant to carry your burdens alone. You got to get vulnerable. And the second thing we need is to get unstuck. We have to be willing to lift others up. There's two sides to this coin, and you will always have a chance to do both sides. Some of you don't ever want to do the other thing because you're like, I have to be this person. You know what that's called? That's called pride. Also in my camp. Manny didn't have that one either, but right? So... I, I, I need to be the helper. I need to be the one who lifts people up. I, I can't spend time getting lifted up. That's my job. People come to me with issues. I don't go to them. But we, we need to be humble enough to do the first thing, but we need to be willing enough to do the second thing. You need to be willing to get your hands dirty. Are you willing to walk through a hard time with someone that isn't fixed by one conversation and one prayer? Are you willing to walk through a hard time with someone that is of their own doing, that they brought on themselves, that maybe you even warned them about? You know, are you willing to walk through the mess of life with people while they figure it out? Are you willing to extend the grace to others that you hope would be extended to you? That's what the four friends did. You know, even to have the friendship with a guy on the mat was huge because in that day, that guy would have been uh, ostracized and looked down upon. They would have assumed that he or his parents or both were horrible sinners and that's why he has paralyzed. And so people would have avoided him. So just the fact that they were friends shows what kind of people these four men were. And then they knew we need to get into Jesus. And isn't that what we need to do? This is what community, Christian community offers that regular community doesn't. We don't just pick people up. We pick people up and we take them to the one who can heal their heart and heal their soul and mend their past. We take them to Jesus. So there's these two coins, two sides of the coin. But I want to go a little bit deeper. So I made a drawing. All right, now I know. I know some of you are artists and you're going to look at this and you're going to be jealous. And I just want to encourage you, you don't have to be jealous, okay? Like I could teach you um, <clears throat> if you want me to, all right? So there's this, this concept that I've read about. Um, it's called circles of sufficiency. So here's the part of the teaching where I become a little bit of a nerd and you can tune out if you want to. I'll come back, don't worry. But I, this is just such a cool concept. Dallas Willard talks about it. He's a, an old theologian who has since passed away. And um, uh, a, a guy I know is a pastor 
was teaching on it recently too. And so anyway, circles of sufficiency. It's just kind of an, um, an ad lib off of his original idea. But he talks about, you know, at the, at the core, we need to have me and God together. Me and God. I need to have that sufficiency where I am going to him and finding my identity, finding my peace, finding my security, my strength. Okay. And then we need a few. We need a core of a few people who know everything about us. And then we need a tribe. That would be like a church, for instance. And, and you can, this applies outside of religion, too. People who have a core of people who just are on fire about a certain topic or a certain mission. Right? Then you need a tribe. And then you have the others. others you know, I didn't put family on here because for some people, family can be on all sorts of different places. Right? But others would be acquaintances, coworkers, some friends, right? And here's what I know about life. We spend a lot of time out here. We spend a lot of time shallow surface level. We spend a lot of time, if we're Christians, we think I can get most of my stuff fixed here. And maybe, maybe here. But you know what? The, the circle, I think, that gets the least attention is the second one. Me and a few. That community where we're really heart to heart. You know, this, this kind of community doesn't come by sitting next to each other in a chair. It comes by talking. It comes by spending hours talking, eating together, being to, going to each other's house when things are rough, calling each other, texting each other. It comes over time and shared experience. This is probably our weakest part of community. And it's probably the most important. And now, if you would just humor me, I'm just going to go a little bit deeper down this hole. Are you okay with that? I'm just going to take a deep dive theologically. So in the beginning, <laughs> in the beginning, God said this. Now, I don't, listen, if you don't, if you're like, oh, great, he's talking about Genesis and I don't even think, okay, whether you think this is literal or figurative, the message would still apply. So just, just listen to the message, right? God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. What is going on? Why is God talking about himself in the plural? And theologians for, for millennia have understood that this is the beginning of what we call the doctrine of the Trinity. Without getting too far into this, we believe there is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's a mystery. Somehow three exist as one and you, there's all sorts of analogies that don't work. Like you could talk about an egg, has an egg shell and an egg white and an egg yolk, but it's one egg. No one would look at that egg and be like, well, that's three eggs, right? But it's one egg, but there's three distinct parts. But that doesn't really work. Like there, everything doesn't work, like a light bulb and a lamp and the light that comes out of it, right? But the important concept here is that what existed before creation was community, in God, there was community. There was oneness, three in one. In fact, as he creates humanity, one could argue that community is the gift that he intended to give. John Ortberg says, God created human beings because he was so in love with community that he wanted a world full of people to share it with. He had experienced, think about, think about your, your best friendship experience in your life. Isn't it so meaningful? Aren't you so grateful that you have it? This is what he, God, was experiencing and wanted to create for us. And see, it just cascaded down. In fact, if you read the creation example, you see this. God made something and he said, good. And he said, good. And he said, good. He said, good seven times. 
He was like, yeah, that's good, and that's good, and that's good, and that's good. He's just popping stuff out. It's good. Stars are good. Animals are good. People are good. And then all of a sudden, there's this abrupt halt. Wait a second. That's not good. You know what wasn't good? It was the fact that man was alone. He said, wait a second. That's not good. And so he created community with Eve. And what's significant here, think about the fact that Adam was walking in the garden alone with God, without sin, nothing in between him and God, no shame, just talking to God. And God looked at that and said, that's not good. Isn't that interesting? Because we always hear like Christians talk about like, well, you have a God-shaped hole in your heart, right? But you know what? You also have a person-shaped hole in your heart. It's a wonder we're alive. There's so many holes in our heart, right? God created us to need each other too. Maybe that's why when they were like, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest command? He was like, you catching on? Love God and love each other. Isn't that interesting? So what if community isn't just like a good idea? What if you were actually created for that inner circle community community? And without it, you are not good. You're not complete. You're not whole. You're not living the fullness. See, you were never intended to carry your burdens alone. Never. From the very, very beginning, you weren't. And Jesus knew this too. In fact, Jesus prayed before he went to the cross and he said, he prayed for all believers. I said, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. See, God is three in one. He created Adam and Eve and he said, you become two become one, right? And then he said, everybody who follows Jesus is one. He just destroys math. Everything equals one. It's the same community, the community that existed before the creation of the world in who God is. I'm going to use a theological term, right? In the Godhead. And it's a weird thing. But the community existed in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And oh my gosh, I could just go so much further on this, but I'm going to stop. But like, you should think about how they treat each other. It's incredible. There's a whole teaching there that none of you would like, but it's fascinating. I'm sorry, Chris Simmons would like it, but everyone else would be bored. All right. So, but there's that, that uh, self-sacrificial, loving, giving relationship he wanted for all of us to have with each other, and Jesus prayed that we would have it. So listen. Okay, you can listen again. I just had to say that. It's so cool. It's woven into the fabric of, of who you are. Like, it's not just an accident. It's just like, it's, it's woven into who you are. Like, you need air, and you need water, and you need community. You were, it's woven into your spirit. Your soul will die alone. You need it. You were never meant to carry this stuff alone. See, the requirement for true intimacy is chunks of unhurried time. See, no one ever accidentally fell into true community. No one ever accidentally was like, oh my gosh, we are great friends. Whoa, how'd that happen? Right? We just met. Requirement for true intimacy is chunks of unhurried time. If you think you can fit deep community into the cracks of an overloaded schedule, whew, read that again. You can't. We just fit it in. Wise people do not try to microwave friendships, parenting, or marriage. Oh, 
almost exclusively cook with a microwave. That is my job, reheating leftovers. I recently learned how to cook baked potatoes in the microwave. It went from an hour to six minutes. It's brilliant, right? I wish you could microwave friendships, but you can't. You know, I, I never go to small group. I never go out with my friends when they call me. I never take time to, you know, go to the movies or go get a bite to eat with a friend. And then when crisis hits, I'm like, I'm all alone. Nobody loves me. Right? You can't, you can't do community in a hurry. You can't listen in a hurry. You can't mourn in a hurry with those who mourn or rejoice in a hurry with those who rejoice. Many people lack great friends for the simple reason that they've never made pursuing community a high priority. It's another quote from this book I'm reading by John Ortberg. It's powerful. It's convicting. It's true. So here's my practical advice for you. And worship team, you guys come up. How many of you are still thinking about how amazing the Trinity is and how... No, okay. Okay. If you're stuck, maybe it's time for you to let someone lift you up. Listen, look around the room. Everybody is carrying their mat. There are no matless people here, right? Everybody's got a problem. Some of us have more than others. There's no one here who's like, I got my life all together. Some of us have the gorilla mask on, but that's okay. Underneath, it's just a scared person. We've all, we're all carrying it. No one's going to look down on you. We have to find people to get real with. I think small groups is a mechanism for that, but it's not a magic. It's not like a magic spell that works every time. It's a mechanism. That's why we build it in. It's why we say at City Light we value circles better than rows, right? So we're facing each other and facing life together. But small group's just a mechanism. You could go to small group and not get community because you could go to small group and not be real. And maybe, maybe you need to pick a smaller group. Find those me and a few. Find that circle of sufficiency if your life is missing that. If you're stuck, maybe it's time for you to let someone lift you up. If you know someone is stuck, maybe it's time for you to reach out. These are the practical steps. And we have some cards that we're going to hand out. There they are. They're going to come around just so that you can take this home and you can think about it, you can pray about it. Ask the Lord, God, is there someone that I need to reach out to that I'm supposed to be lifting up right now? It only takes a text, phone call. And for all of us, let's just think about this this week. How can I develop my circle of sufficiency? How can I work on that me and a few, that other person whole in my heart? There's very practical steps that you can take to do that. Start to carve out some time. Call that friend that you haven't talked to and you know you should. Go, go meet him for coffee. Go open up to somebody. Don't just wait for it to come to you. So at City Light, what we like to do after the teaching is we like to finish with a response time. So we've got five minutes. We're just going to give you some time. You can take this card. You can pray about it. You can pray about who you should talk to, if there's someone you should talk to. We also really want to offer for you to get prayer. So like we've moved prayer to this side of the room so that when the song ends, if you still want to just keep talking and praying, no one's going to be walking by you, all right? And what we'd like you to do is go over there and if you're stuck, if you're hurting, get some prayer. There's going to be some trustworthy people over there 
who will help you carry those burdens because you were never meant to carry them alone. For the rest of us, we're going to sing a song together. So why don't you stand up? We're going to sing this final song and then we'll close with some prayer as well. So let's pray. God, I thank you for giving us the gift of relationship, of friendship, of community. And I just want to pray for those of us who listen to this teaching and they feel frustrated because they struggle to have real authentic friends. And I pray, Jesus, that you would minister to them now. That where people are hurting in this room or maybe have been hurt by friendships, been hurt by relationships that have gone bad, and that's why they shy away from starting new ones, I pray that you begin to bring your healing to our hearts, God. You begin to bring new friends and safe friends, God. I pray for the community of City Light that we could be a place where people would bring their friends. You know, I I just see that picture of the the four friends bringing their hurting friend to Jesus. I pray that would be what happens here at City Light, God, that people would bring their hurting friends here, God, and that they could meet you. So just keep your eyes closed. We do this every week just to give an opportunity. But if you've never made the be- you know, a beginning of your relationship with Jesus, if you've never said, you know, I want to s- start following Jesus, it's a journey. You know, there's nothing magic that happens now. But we, there is a, a beginning time often where we pray, God, I want to become a follower of Jesus. And so if that's you, if you've never said that, if you're in here in church, like I've never seen church like this before, God's been moving in your heart and you feel it, um, just raise your hand real quick and we're just gonna, not gonna make you do anything. Just, we're gonna pray with you. All right, if you raised your hand, I'm gonna ask you to do two things. One, I'm just gonna pray and you can repeat it in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. And then two, there's a card by the table, on that table right there, it says, I raised my hand. If you just fill it out and hand it in at the welcome booth, I'll email you tomorrow. I've got some stuff I wanna give you. So pray with me. If, if Everybody can just pray this in their heart if they want to. You don't have to pray it out loud. So if you raised your hand, just say, Jesus, I believe that you love me. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that your gift of salvation is something I can't earn. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. I want to follow you. Amen.